Welcome back to Columbian Influence. This is the book club series, chapter seven of The Primal Wound. I'm ready. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't ready, but this is what we're reading by uh, Nancy Newton Barrier. And like Erica said, we are diving into chapter seven. Um, this chapter is titled Issues of Rejection, Trust, Intimacy, and Loyalty. So, getting raw about who we are. <laughs> we're getting raw here today. So, let's, I suppose, dive in. Um, this chapter is broken down into a lot fewer sections than the past yes. chapters, actually. I noticed that breaking this down. But, like, many sections in the sections. Yeah, a lot of subsections. That's what it's called. Something, yeah. I like whatever. many sections, but that's fine. Um, basically, the larger sections uh, that we're going to be going through is difficulties in relationships, fear of rejection, issues of trust and intimacy, and loyalty. So, very much similar to the um, title of the chapter, but we'll go into the subsections that we mentioned as well <laughs> and talk about each of them um i'm curious if you had in this first section basically is going into difficulties in relationships i had nothing you had no so bring it on i'm not let's even go, surprised let's go. okay so what does that say about our lives anyway um i guess with this first entire paragraph uh here we go again with the first page first, being like no first page i'm like oh no um, I guess one thing I noticed when reading this uh, is that I we were reading this separately about a year ago mm-hmm. or so, um, and just kind of each taking notes separately, give or take, you know, kind of here and there. And there was nothing noted a year ago in this section, but um, this year when reading it, there is a lot to be noted, so life is changing. Um, <laughs> overall, this first section of the book, Difficulties in Relationships, was really eye-opening to me. Um, And it's basically described how adoptees perceive separation versus a non-adoptee, bringing me to the first quote um, saying, it has to do with the triggering of archaic memory traces of the original abandonment and and the life-threatening experience that it was. So essentially having short separations to non-adoptees doesn't cause panic the same way that it does for adoptees because there's not the idea of it being like this permanent thing. And I think that just really rang true to me as far as something that I just really understood, um, just saying how it was Mm life-threatening. So I think that's kind of where it instills the panic, you know, within adoptees. So I thought that was really interesting. Uh, that's really as much for that first section that I got, but I just thought it was really interesting that I didn't have any underlines last year. And this year I was like, oh yeah, this makes a lot of sense. And that first section just says that, um, going into therapy and saying, I'm, you know, they're going in to talk about their adoption issues is very uncommon. Mm-hmm. Very few people do that. And they say it's if they do that, it's a very big step because it means that the den- denial has been pierced, which literally a year ago when I started therapy with my current therapist is what happened. I went in and I was like, I'm realizing I'm 27. I've never talked to a therapist about this in depth. And it's like, that was, I, I don't know. I guess reading this was really like, oh, that was, a, that was a moment. Yeah. That was like a really big thing that clearly is a shift. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess given how life has gone in the last year, it kind of makes sense. Right, exactly. And just understanding adoption mm-hmm. as an adoptee is something we're continually navigating. So that's very interesting that it was just the first time after all of those years of all of these things going on that 
finally brought it to the surface. Yeah, brought it to the forefront. Exactly. So, okay, so that's that first section. Second section then for fear of rejection is really what you and I have the most information or the most Mm -hmm. underlined kind of details. Do you want to start? Yeah, for me, it starts off right from the beginning. Um, It's a little quote by an adoptee. It said, being wanted by my adoptive Mm. parents doesn't compare to being unwanted by my birth mother. And I wanted to bring this into one of our discussion questions Mm -hmm. because do others adopt, do other adoptees feel this way? Do you feel this way? I actually, when I read this, I was like, I just drew a little heart next to it. And I was like, I bet Erica is going to think about this too. So I, and I was kind of wondering the same thing. I'm like, I bet this is something that we both feel because I wrote a lot of notes about the fact that when adoptees are told that they're chosen, it's a really hurtful I hate that term. trope that, you know, yeah. is given. And I know it means well, but this chapter goes into a lot of reasons why that doesn't work. Um, and in previous ones, I think we've talked about, like, we're not chosen. No. We're it, given it, up and, and we're just placed exact, somewhere else. Exactly. This is the exact reason why is being wanted by my adoptive parents doesn't compare to being unwanted by my birth mother. Mm-hmm. Perfect example of how that comes into play. Yeah. So I guess we want to hear your take on that as well. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that statement as an adoptee? Yeah. Okay. So I guess we both kind of feel that. For sure. Um. So then these this is when it gets into kind of the sub uh, subjects here in each uh, chapter. This starts off as the bad baby syndrome mm-hmm. is basically thinking that you were bad. Rejected. Re- yeah. And kind of starts talking about the rejection. Did you have much? I didn't. I highlighted a little part here and I don't know why, honestly. Um, Do you want to read what you have highlighted? Sure. Go for it. A mother wouldn't give away a good baby. Therefore, I must have been a bad baby. This feeling of having an innate flaw carries over even into adulthood. This sets up adopted children for feelings of failure on every level, where every subsequent rejection, even the slightest one, simple reinforcement reinforces their belief to innate badness. So I guess I like after reading it again, I think just feeling failure on every level. You just like I am a perfectionist. I like to make sure things are in, in control way. and that I don't fail, even if it's something you have no control over, that it's okay to fail or it's okay to not get that promotion. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a pre- perfect example, but it's like a failure in my part because I've been rejected before. And mm-hmm. it's just like, that's how I've been stemmed. So I think that's where it comes from. Yeah. But uh, that was the only part I highlighted, but I didn't really talk about it deep in our notes here on our document. I'm kind of the same way. Um yeah, I don't think I have really, I don't have any notes there, mm-hmm. neither with, like, the next section of the losers and the stoners thinking that you hang out with people that are, that societal standards would consider to be losers. Is yeah. that, like, these low people, like, you people sometimes, or adoptees sometimes associate themselves mm-hmm. with those types of groups to kind of be where they believe they belong which is a problem in so many different ways i don't want to go into it because i don't believe any of that um because a lot of really i think the only things that you would maybe have in common with those people is some type of mental health struggle Mm -hmm. so i think that that i'm gonna throw that out i'm not even gonna i think that's a great point just to end on yeah that's perfect yeah perfectly let's move over past that 
Um, the next section is talking about testing out, which I was kind of like, what is this talking about? I'm not really entirely sure what this exactly means. Um, I didn't really have much. I had one part here, just like a brief sentence out of the whole paragraph, which I think just jumped paragraph? out on me. Yeah. Go for it. It said, um, throughout her life as that of not being loved or liked. So it's kind of in this whole paragraph, but just pretty much saying you worry about not being loved or liked a lot of your, a lot of your time. Yeah. And I can definitely attest to that. Like, I'm always trying to please others. Like, I need to think about myself first. And I, I've definitely done that now, you know, as an adult. But a lot of times when I was younger, I just wanted to please them, make sure they liked me. I didn't want to feel rejected again by friends or other mm-hmm. other people. So I think that was kind of just an interesting place um, where that was. But it was a really short little sentence on a big section. For me in this section, I guess just to give people an idea of what they mean by testing out as well, is basically testing your loved ones to see if they'll drop you, you know, at any moment given some type of behavior. Like an example maybe being like you make plans with someone and they're like, they mention something else that they could go to and you're like, oh, well, it's fine. Mm -hmm. You know, you should go to that and they'll maybe make that decision then maybe go because you told them to. But deep down, deep you didn't down, want, like, you them, want to. them to. You're just yeah. like, you feel like you need to give them that option because, number one, they might not want to spend time with you because you're mm-hmm. not fun enough or meh, any of those kinds of things. <laughs> meh. <laughs> I, I have no words. Um, or it could be something where it's like testing them then to like see if they're going to. Their loyalty almost? Their, their loyalty and I think just kind of their ability to drop you like a hat, you know, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the gist that I get from it. I think there's a lot of different versions of that, but kind of testing to see if, I don't know, if there is going to be an easy rejection Mm -hmm. from these loved ones. Um, The only other part of this section that I underlined and wrote a OMG next to (laughs) was on page 86. Um, One adoptee says, I can stay in destructive relationships all right, because that is what I feel I deserve. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, moving on. <laughs> so, and I mean, I think that that's something as far as, uh, and I'll go into this a little bit more later with our sum up of the chapter, but I don't know. A, a lot of this chapter, I'm realizing that I've never noted, never underlined that I'm now coming back to a year later. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is uh this is me. Mm-hmm. But it at least, like, it's also, it it's productive in the way that I, I understand why and I yeah. know now. And there's, obviously, this whole thing is, like, a learning process. Just self, so. self, oh, my gosh, self-growth mm-hmm. is, I think, where we keep, you know, growing and doing better for ourselves and just understanding who we are, how other people can support us, and if they can't, mm-hmm. letting that go and it being okay. Yeah. Uh, did you have anything in the rejection and work? No, and I think that's really interesting. I just put interesting dot, 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 because mm. we are both hard workers, and we want to work. We want to be the best we can be, perfectionists. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I think it's, <clears throat> excuse me, I think it's just interesting that a lot of people are, what they're saying in here is just laziness, and parents are having a hard time getting them up and moving because mm-hmm. they they fear that rejection and that failure, which I get in some aspects, but... I just never had that for myself. And it's hard to say now. I mean, it's very different being a, I mean, 
now I'm working and it's not like my parents have anything to do with my job. So Mm -hmm. it's like, that's kind of a totally separate thing. But yes, I am still a perfectionist. The only section (laughs) that I really thought was um, one of my quotes that I kind of pulled out was that there is a need to be perfect, to be the best, to get one more PhD to to prove that one has the right to exist. Mm. And I think that that's where I come with being a perfectionist because I'm like, I'm going to try something. I can't be bad at it. I have to be really good at it. And it's like all the things that I do, I mean, I guess like I've come to like be a perfectionist at, and it's like, I don't know. I mean, I guess I, I learned how to cook like in college, like for example, like I learned how to cook with my friends in college and then we would do um, Monday nights where I would watch bachelor with my friends. I would cook for the, the group most of the time. And you know, some people would say like, I don't go for the bachelor. I go for your cooking. And I'm like, Oh, thank God. Like, <laughs> it's just like that, that as an example, mm-hmm. or like doing these things and like being good at every little thing has always been really important to me. And yeah. it's like, it's just really interesting to know like why that rings so true. And in this case with that quote, it's like that one has the right to exist. And I think mm-hmm. that's like, that's hard to read, but it's also like, I get it. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me. Right. You know, especially at this point. Uh, let's see. Okay. So that was rejection and work. Um, I think mine ends oh, yeah, on the next was... page. It's yeah. right at the top here. It's just, oh. um, it's talking about how adoptees are so sensitive to criticism or even the slightest hint of rejection. Mm. It's again, another part of a big paragraph, but I just think that little, those few little words mean so much because I think personally we are pretty sensitive. Yeah. And I think that's okay. And I'm starting to understand that criticism is good because I want to keep growing and I want to keep being the best I can be. You can't be a perfectionist and know everything without getting criticized a little bit. So I'm taking that as, you know. It's constructive criticism. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But I am am sensitive. And I think that just like pointed out like, oh. Here we go, Eric. You know, like this is another part of where it stems from adoption, where you just are a little bit more emotional in your own in your own self. And that's okay. And I think when it comes to that kind of thing, like, I don't know, when I've been told that I'm sensitive in a negative kind of way, it's like when you think of it from the opposite side, it's like, yeah, my friends come to me when they're upset about something because they know I can sympathize. Yes. Oh, no. Like, uh, how dare my, my yeah. sensitivity turn into that? Like, I'm glad i don't want to be a stone cold person without emotion yeah i think i'm like an empath i think that's what it's called where i'm exactly i'm just able to and there's a lot of adoptees read those yeah read the energy be that person you know i always get that i can i can come to you because i feel comfortable and that's and vice versa like and that feels good for me because that's who i want to be so i don't think it's a bad thing i think it's just very interesting of where it stems from i think it's also just a part of the learning as we've grown and figured out that that isn't a negative thing. Right. That and same with learning about how to get criticism and have it be okay. Mm -hmm. Because I definitely used to have that. I would get more defensive about things, you know, whereas especially when it came to like relationships and how I would react to things, it's like now with just about everything, I think I've gotten a lot more comfortable and a lot better at getting that criticism and being like, okay, I see what you're saying. I see And I mean, I think that's also just having to do with the boundaries that I'm enforcing with others as well. It's Mm -hmm. like, well, if I'm going to be doing this to them and learning how to set those boundaries and they're having to respond to them, 
I also need to learn how to respond to them so that they feel welcome to set those boundaries with me. Very good point. So it's obviously it has to be a two-way street. Mm -hmm. And again, it's like those are the hardest portions is with relationships that you have to hear like, hey, I didn't like the way that you reacted to this and this wasn't constructed. This wasn't helpful. This hurt me. Mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z. And... Because that's where our, like, perfectionist comes in again. It's like, wait, I'm going to be the best friend ever. Yeah. And that's and that's just, like, your ability to function as a person. It's not being good at math or something. Mm-hmm. Where it's... I can't not be good at that. I'm just kidding. I'm bad at math. <laughs> I'm also. awful at math. I'm so bad. So terrible give me the, Give me the calculator, please. <laughs> they said we'd never have calculators at all times. They were wrong. <laughs> that's so funny. Um... Okay, so I guess that sums up that section. You said that was kind of it for the top part. That was. And then the next section goes into issues of trust and intimacy, which we both had a couple things mm-hmm. there. Do you want to start us off? Yeah, mine is this? in that sec- section. Uh, oh, my gosh. Page the 88? second section. Uh, okay. Yep, 88. Right at the bottom, it said, she would rather be rejected herself than do that to someone else. She's used to dealing with rejection and can handle it. And I think that is interesting in relationships because I feel like even just friendships, not even physical, you know, like lover, loving relationships. Is that the right word? Loving um, relationships. Romantic relationships. Thank you. Um, Just like if someone did wrong to her, she just wouldn't want to or we wouldn't want to reject them because we know what that's like. Like, well, let's give them a second chance. Maybe they were going through this. Again, mm-hmm. that give and pull but like you never want to hurt them but you've been hurt so many times Mm -hmm. which i think kind of goes back to that original part of the chapter where it's like well i stay in these bad relationships because i think it's what i deserve Mm -hmm. like those go in tandem at least for me yeah but we deserve (laughs) so much more like people and everyone does isn't that just so like i can give out that relationship advice till the date is done but when it comes to me i'm like well (laughs) like Mm -hmm. it's like you, you get an eighth chance. Like, it's just, yeah. you know. And again, I guess it kind of goes back to the fact that, like, a year ago, I guess, full disclosure, I was in a relationship a year ago. I'm not anymore. And it's, like, that's a very different scope to be looking at this through. And seeing these kinds of things, it's, you know, taking off the rose-colored glasses. It's and, eye-opening for yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. So I think that that's really interesting, too, is, like, because I think that that's a very common thing. Mm-hmm. For adoptees, for a lot of other people who've gone through trauma, but like, and maybe that stems back to the abandonment again. Mm-hmm. You just don't want to be alone, mm-hmm. so exactly. you'd rather be with hurt. Exactly. Yeah, you'd rather be in something that's with someone than not at all. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I would just always want to be around people, like friends, even if it was like not a great friendship. I'd just be like, well, someone I can be with. You know, they kind of want me here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, what? Yeah. No, you're talking stuff behind my back? Like, that's not a friendship. Right. Yeah, those are other things to have to, like, navigate. And it's, and friendships are hard because it's, I think, less hard start, hard hard finish when it comes to friendships Mm -hmm. unless there is, like, a friend breakup, which happens. Very good point, too. I've been through those, but it's, like, friendships are so... It's normal when they're not, not off and on, but when you have those times and like, I love those friendships when you can have 
uh, time apart and not have it affect you. And it's like, hey, we get together mm-hmm. after not talking for three months, and it's great. And that's a that's a good friendship. That's, that's a perfect. great friendship. Like, because yes. that's realistic as adults, especially. Yes. So absolutely. Gosh, that's so interesting. I feel like this is getting me thinking about so many different things than when I was reading this on my couch at home. Well, then the <laughs> next, the, the, me too. And then the next little section is just about. There's this general feeling of not trusting girls or women just because you have a hard your thoughts on this. Yeah, you just have a hard time trusting or building that relationship with your adoptive mother. You just see women as the enemy, essentially. Yeah, yeah, and and it's not like I had like a bunch of guy friends because I I definitely did, and I was in sports with a lot of girls, and that was who I hung out with. I never really hung out hung out with just guys, which I know some people do, but I can definitely see where that happens too. Mm -hmm. It's just like. Just kind of like with our fathers. It's just like, that's an easy thing. It's just laid back. It's not all that cattiness or drama or, oh, am I good enough for her? Or do I look good enough right now for Mm -hmm. being in this friend group? Whatever it is. Like all of those Mm -hmm. layers of having to, again, be perfect Mm -hmm. and trying not to break those walls down because you want to be, I don't know, looked at, (laughs) excuse me, looked at a certain way. Right. That's really interesting. And mm-hmm. I think, because for me at first when I was reading this, I kind of get got, or kind of went back to the same thing where I was like, well, I wasn't always like hanging out with the guys. That was not me. Yeah. I was in theater. There was like one guy. Yeah. <laughs> it was like one guy per show. Yes, I was friends with them. And like, that's, you know, definitely something that I have now. But it's like, yeah, the majority of my friends are women. However, the standard that I hold my female friends to is probably such a high standard compared to what they might hold me to Mm. or at least kind of at least quietly to myself and that's kind of where like (laughs) the hurt comes in and all that kind of stuff and that's something that I've kind of more realized in the last year or two it's good to vocalize that yeah so people understand where you're coming from yeah and it's just like because the hurt comes from somewhere it's not just because I'm possessive you know because it's like it's it's not like I'm like, you have other friends. It's like, mm-hmm. that's not me at all. But it's, I think, previously, but when I wasn't aware of this, it was like, I don't know, just, again, just holding them to this really, really high standard that I, I don't know. It's I guess it's just kind of hard to describe, but that's kind of the, the note here that I have for this section. Again, the section is titled Distrust of the Feminine. So, I mean, there definitely are people that are going to, like, um, adoptees identifying as male that may gravitate more towards wit or more towards men anyway, mm-hmm. which is, I guess, more commonly, I don't want to say accepted, but more run of the mill kind of situation. And then with uh, those who identify as female adoptees may, you know, mm-hmm. go more towards uh, male friends. Mm-hmm. And again, going back to what we've said about having relationships with our dads, it's like, yeah. it's definitely there. You know, absolutely. Um, let's see. Did you have anything in difficulties in separating? Yes, that was actually where I had um, talking about. Let's see, I'm trying to decide where to start. Because <laughs> this um, is kind of tying back into everything. Like it ties all of it together, which really helped me kind of like pull it all together at the very end. Uh, and I think one section that you had, let's see, difficulties in separating. This is page 90. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I had noted was like the very first relationship, as in very first relationship you've ever had, i.e. the one that you had with your birth mother, 
like the very first relationship, it will not last. And essentially it goes into, so why attach? Mm. And I get that. You know, I get that a lot. Yeah. And and that, that quote that I also, I underlined last year said, and part of it I've done twice. Um, once a relationship is established, many adoptees do not want to separate, even when the relationship proves unsatisfactory. I have that highlighted too. It just goes back to what we were just talking about. Exactly. It's like, well, it's either a relationship that's giving me 30% effort or I get zero, Mm -hmm. which doesn't make any sense. (laughs) That's all I had in that one, but that was, that's a bold statement right there. And it. That sums it's it up. It's not honestly. unreasonable. These are learned, you know, reactions, mm-hmm. essentially. It's not just a, I don't know. It's not just something that you're like, oh, I don't like this type of person or this blah, 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 because right. of some un- unknown bias. It's for a reason. It's mm-hmm. learned. So that's kind of where I go back to that. Um, let's see. So let's see. I have those. The only did you have anything in distrusting of the self? I was just looking the self? at that, and yes, I had kind of this first paragraph fully boxed out, but just the main part again. I like to just pull out little sentences in the sentences in the paragraph, just because I think it's easy for me to talk about quickly on our podcast. But also, just things that really stuck out to me was this lack of self esteem or self worth is intertwined with the lack of trust or fear of intimacy described by many adoptees whom this lady has spoken to. And I just think I struggled completely with this, just the self of lack of self-esteem and self-worth is something that I have just tried to grow, grew out of and trying to grow still, you know, Mm -hmm. just that even relationships, friendships, just myself with my family, just trying to be the, again, being the best I can be. It was just a little bit hard for me to have full confidence. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. For me in this particular paragraph um, or the section of distrusting the self, it goes back to one mention of a previous chapter. um, First stating, if my own mother couldn't love me, who Mm -hmm. can? And then Mm -hmm. your... Basically, hold on, I'm trying to figure out, like, what exactly this is said. Um, One of the adoptees states, her name's Denise, uh, says, if my own mother couldn't love me, who can? And then goes on to say, reassuring her that her mother did love her isn't helpful because it brings up the non sequitur. Your mother really loved you, so she gave you up. Which is what we talked about before, where it's when we've discussed love equals abandonment. And I just said, can we reword this, please? I literally just wrote that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, she this gave, is written weird. She gave you up. Like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it just, and again, that I think that that really, I, I can understand if someone says, like, if my own mother didn't love me or couldn't love me, who can? How could I love myself? That re- yeah. It's like that reassurance doesn't mean squat, because it's like when you say your mother really, really, really loved you. So she did this. Mm-hmm. Like those, those aren't helpful yeah. whatsoever. I would, I guess, with that particular section, I hope we do have some, um, you know, adoptive parents that are reading along, listening along, so that these kinds of things can be removed from that vocabulary. Yeah. I don't know with these types of groups that adoptive parents are part of, if this is something that's 
brought up, brought up and mm-hmm. talked about and encouraged. I'd be curious to know that. I would too. Um, cause I think those can be, those hold a lot more weight than I think people mm-hmm. realize. Oh, for sure. A lot more. Cause I mean, we didn't realize it until we read it and we're like, that's it. <laughs> it's right there. <laughs> so, we need to make a shirt that says love equals abandonment. And then with that yes. X in between with the Ooh. equal sign. <gasps> Ooh. Working on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> Um, divide, divided loyalty. Did you have anything or just in the, or just the loyalty, loyalty section? section? The only thing I had in the divide, divided loyalty was the phrase, she is my daughter, but I am not her only mother. Yes. I underlined that, that too. Kate. I literally ah! wrote that. I said, reminds me of Kate, two moms. Oh my God. Shout out to Kate. <laughs> you keep coming back in our podcast and we yes. love you. We so, love you so that much. That was such a great episode. That was amazing. Check it yeah. out if you haven't. Yeah. Check it out. <laughs> And then I also have loyalty to the lost child. I think this was the second question I wanted to bring up in our discussion. It's going to be on page 92. Okay. It just said, I felt unworthy to be a mother after giving birth, after giving my firstborn away. It would be disloyal to her to have another baby. So I'm just wondering if mm. you are adopted and either have searched or not searched, mm-hmm. um, more pertaining if you searched and found out you have other siblings, how does that make you feel? Mm. And I think... Like, I don't even know the answer for myself because I was going to say, how does it make you feel? Yeah, I do have a brother (laughs) in Colombia, and he's only two years younger than me. Whoa. Well, that's a thinker. I I know. So I'm just kind of like, okay. I I know, like, the situation's a lot better. I mean, his father's still in both of their lives. He didn't have another family. I know that, you know, circumstances around that was a lot different. But it also made me, like, take a step back, like, whoa. So you could still, I mean, raising a child in itself is a lot. Mm-hmm. So you could still do that for him, but not for me. It was just kind of like a uh, one of those felt sad, felt mad, I'm over it now. Mm-hmm. So I just wonder how other people feel. Or how do you feel like not doing the search? Like what if you did have brothers and sisters out there? Like how would you feel about that? Can you I feel something hard. real? I, that's the thing. Yeah. I don't know that I can even say because mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I it. It is what I don't know anyway, yeah. so it kind of just doesn't mean much to me. But that's what I was. Thinking I do about. also want to bring to to light just the fact that, like, if it was something as short as two years for myself, I'd be like, look at how much my life has changed in two years. Mm-hmm. How much more could I handle two years ago versus now? Excellent point. How much could I handle now versus two years from now? Hopefully, more. Um, <laughs> Right, and she was 19 (laughs) to 21 is a very big difference, too. I mean, do you remember when you were... Oh, I don't even want to remember when I was 19. But, like, the things that I... I, Oh, God, either way, with having a child at 19 or 21, I'm 28, almost 29, and I'm still like, no, I could not. There's no (laughs) way. Like, that sounds crazy. Give it two years. No! (laughs) (laughs) can't make me... That's but that's a really good point. Though, if I could, no, like, well, yeah. I can't. But still, it's like putting two years into perspective with yourself of what you did handle two years ago, what you're right. handling now, versus what you can handle in two more years. It's like, I guess I'm I'm always trying to rationalize certain things to make myself feel better. So it's oh, like, come on, now that's totally <laughs> me. <laughs> so it's like we have that at least. It's like, all right, think of it that way, so that mm-hmm. it's not just you know, bogging down your, yeah. your mind and being like, well, they could do it for this kid, not me. Mm-hmm. It's like, what's that about? It's like, well, 
different circumstances. That's it's exactly where different. you have to. And it, of course, it might hurt like for a second. But again, like I said, I'm I'm over it. Because... And it might be something that people do deal with, and it does hurt for a longer period of time. Yeah. And that's okay. It's mm-hmm. just like realizing that that's whether you rationalize it or not, and you can rationalize it or not, still something that's worth talking about yeah. and worth getting help over, or something like that, where you can you mm-hmm. know talk and- to people about it and figure out what would help you. You Correct. Know. And I'm I'm such a strong believer on what's meant to happen will happen. Mm-hmm. And like this is my journey and I just have to embrace where I'm at. So Exactly. I, I just couldn't imagine even living there. Mm-hmm. So like why why even think about just that being situation? There, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And being sad over it. So yeah, I overall feel okay about that. I guess on this chapter, we're kind of at the end unless you had anything else. That's really all that I had. I guess overall then um, how did the chapter make you feel? I think for me, um, or I guess do you want me to? No, I, I can just like agree with you later. Big <laughs> <laughs> pig, we have notes. And... <laughs> just... No, just cut that part out. No. We're uh, experiencing an earthquake. <gasps> earthquake! <laughs> <laughs> Freaky Friday, which is such a good movie. Could you like chill for a sec? Yeah, use that gift today at work. It was great. Okay. Anyway. Um. So, how did this chapter make me feel? I think it made me feel that I'm validated again in those feelings of not fitting in or just struggling with my own self-esteem issues. Um, just might have stemmed from something deeper than I even really thought about, kind of just through my adoption. Mm-hmm. So, I think that made me feel a little bit better for my past self, like my teenage years of mm-hmm. that was okay. Did you notice as much as I did as far as, like, highlighting now versus last year with this chapter? Um, This was the chapter I did. This is as far as I got. So this is is my first time reading it. Oh. I know. You got actually quite a bit highlighted. I know. I love it. Uh, For me, just going to be totally blatantly honest, um, what this chapter made me think of was the fact that I'm always the one to end relationships. I yes they're never Lisa, that good is... either so they end and I feel relieved um that is I've so never mean. once been dumped me neither I've never <laughs> really because we're the shit oh. <laughs> sorry mom um and I've never really been like left heartbroken or something or I don't know again I've always like any type of romantic relationship I've ever had I've it's ended and I've been like okay mm-hmm. we're good dodge a on that one dodge you know? there um and though, like, and yet it's because I'm in these bad relationships that, like, there's part of it that I think probably goes back to, like, being like, I this is what I deserve. This is as much as I deserve. Mm-hmm. And, again, like, I'm great at, you know, dishing out the relationship advice to people and be like, don't don't stand for this. Like, mm-hmm. you need to ask for more. You need to blah, 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 blah. And it's like, that's obviously always so, get, like, easy to give out and then really hard to take for yourself. Why do you think you attract, maybe not even attract, but, like, do you just not set the standards right away where things can start slipping in here and there? Like, I think that's just another good point. Like, why does this keep happening? Not like yeah, you've had, like, I a refuse. bunch of relationships no, and they're all not, trash. No, it's not no, like no. that at all, but... I mean, they're all trash, but... Well, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not like, yeah, I haven't been one to, like, date a ton it's always right. just been like longer term relationships that are longer than they should be mm-hmm. and they've all been like yeah it should have ended six months before it did pretty much ex- 
a hundred percent. Yeah. If not more. Does it go back for you? Does it go towards abandonment? Like just being left I think it's alone? just like once I'm comfortable with being, mm. again, it's kind of being like, well, if I'm getting 30% from this person, that's better from 0% from no one. Mm. But yet at the same time, it's like, it's really just the process of that detachment yeah. that I fear. Because when it's happening and when it's leading up to it, I'm like, I have a physical reaction to it. I always have like, stomach aches mm-hmm. prior to these things every single time mm-hmm. and then when it finally happens i'm like all right ding dong the witch is dead like it's <laughs> here comes the buffet like. yeah. <laughs> it's like i'm fine it's all good yeah and i'm my best self afterwards every single time so it's so like, interesting so it's like i don't i don't know i'm also trying to break that uh <laughs> pattern <laughs> so so um you can find risa no. at- <laughs> No, I probably won't like you anyway. She's funny. I mean... I'm funnier than you. Better cook than you. You know our traumas by this point if you're watching this. (laughs) (laughs) Just listen to us as people and as adoptees. You have such a... Well, I was going to say... This has gone in a really weird direction. (laughs) I was going to say, Chris would be having to... uh, Who knows? I don't know. Dun, dun, dun. That's a whole other episode. Anyway, um... um... (laughs) <laughs> I guess that kind of concludes though uh chapter seven. Unless oh, unless you wanted to go into the discussions again, uh just to name those one more time for our page. Go for it. All right. So we kind of touched on these earlier in the episode. Um, but basically for these discussions, the discussion questions that we're gonna post on our pages, um, going back to the quote, being wanted by my adoptive parents doesn't compare to being unwanted by my birth mother. Do other adoptees feel this way? Uh, and then I felt unworthy to be a mother after giving my firstborn away. It would be disloyal to her to have another baby. If you are adopted and have searched for your biological family and found out you have other brothers and sisters from your birth mom, how does that make you feel? So report back, make some comments. Um, as always, like, subscribe, share our pages. Again, leave us comments, leave us reviews, ratings and reviews on our um, podcast platforms. And uh, check out our website, columbianinfluence.com. C-O-L-O-M-B-I-A-N. Influence.com. We have a lot of resources up there. If you do have resources that you are looking into that's helpful to you as an adoptee, please send them our way. We're trying to just build that library so that it's helpful for other people. Uh, You can also find our the Primal Wound in our... um, bookshop on our website and the mm-hmm. resources as well so you can read along with us and let us know if you what your thoughts are on this chapter until next time later bye Sticking together, like the whole last little card. I was just like.